This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport fan network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win... Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome back to the Chelsea Fancast, the 50 years of Chelsea uh, with me, Stamford Chidge, and uh, Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Lovely to be on the show. And the legend that is Mark Meehan. He's written a book, you know. Has he? He has. Good, he's a talented Hello? man. You're yeah. a talented cool. man. No That's idea. Good. Didn't you realise you'd done it? Did no. it just happen? No you just idea. did it in your no sleep. No idea. You did, yeah. So there we go. Anyway, we're talking all about the season from 2000 to 2001. Uh, the season that saw... The departure of Gianluca Vialli and the arrival of uh, Claudio Ranieri, who, of course, in, uh, well, I mean, not really, I don't know if, I'd love to know actually when he was given this nickname, but of course he became well known as the Tinker Man before he departed Chelsea. Um, And we're now in the second half of the season. We've just basically uh, wrapped up December. We're now in January. And I've said really in this part, you know, the second half of the season was kind of where he earned his nickname as the Tinker Man. and there was very good evidence of this in the first game of the uh, new year, which was against Villa, uh, which is at home. We won 1-0, courtesy of another Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank goal. Uh, but Mark, uh, Wise and De Hoy were dropped for this one, and, and there was a lot of unrest going on. This time, not about the fact that nobody liked Viali, but this time because nobody could understand Ranieri. Wise particularly had the massive hump, didn't he? He, he did. And again, if people watch the end of season video, there's an interview with Dennis on there. And it does sound like he put a transfer request in at, around about this time. He wasn't happy about being dropped. But more importantly, he wasn't happy about where he's being played. Uh, and he gave examples on the video where he's asked to play, you know, right wing back, right midfield, left wing back. And, you know, we've talked about it many times on previous shows when we talked about 50 years. The best place for Dennis was in the centre of midfield. Yeah, and, and the impact and he had, and he was getting better and better each season. And for some strange reason, 
and it wasn't just Wise, it's other players as well. I think Ranieri sort of at times seemed to like a, a three at the back, three four three, but sometimes a three four three almost became three five or three six, and you sometimes have as Jimmy's the lone striker and players out wide. It was he was already beginning to tinker, and we had the example also from the goalkeeping point of view, which none of us know why. When he took Ed De Hoy off at halftime against Derby when we were 3-0 up. But he literally did drop De Hoy for this game after Ipswich getting two goals back. And Ed De Hoy never plays again this season either. Kudicini becomes first choice from this game in. But also, our favourite pantomime villain, Mr LeBeuf, was upset as well. So he wasn't happy either with Ranieri. And I think he was in and out of the side. So he was being linked at this point with a move to Monaco. So he wanted to leave as well. So... Not the best start to the new year with Chelsea. Not I think re- he, he he wasted uh, Dennis Wise's um, abilities in the whole of this season mm. from then on. Well, I think Den- that's why uh, Dennis was pissed off, J.K. Yeah, you know, but I think he hastened the end of his career actually yeah. as well because, um, as, as Mark so rightly said, he, he got better and better and was uh, was an absolutely terrific player. But, but to, to, I don't know why. I it, once I felt that you know uh, Viali may have been against various players, but I thought that. Uh, Ranieri was against Dennis in some way. And um, it's almost as if he was trying them all out without looking at their reputation, with actually seeing who they were. It's almost as if they were all people he was unaware of. So he was giving them a go in different positions. Absolutely right, Mark. Middle of midfield, fantastic. Fantastic player for Chelsea. Played him completely out of position and uh, and ruined the opportunity for the club to, uh, to to improve as the season was going on. I found it absolutely bizarre. Well, the other, the other thing is, JK, about Dennis is that, you know, he had an agreement with the club that he would see out his career at the club and then go into a, a coaching role. Yeah. And, of course, as we now know, he left the next, I think he left the next season, if I recall. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. you know, so that all went the way of the pair. Um, you know, Franco Zola had a, had a similar contract as well. And there were, I think later on we'll get to this in a minute, but uh, there were waverings about whether Franco might stay at the end of the season. So it's kind of weird. They fire a manager because the dressing room don't like him. They bring a new manager in and they don't like the way that he plays, his tactics. They don't like the fact that he beasts them. Uh, and they all get upset about it. Anybody would have thought we were talking about the last 10 years. But no, we're talking about 22 years ago. What do I keep saying? Nothing changes at Chelsea. I think the difference was with Viali was that he'd been a player and you got little factions being created. Whereas in this instance, I think probably everybody didn't like the manager. That was full stop because he he was uh, he was aloof from them. He wasn't he didn't have any intention of ever being their friend. And I I honestly think he tried people out. He used this as an experiment, and that's why he started tinkering. And well, I think he probably did that most of the time because he didn't know what the players were like. And this this bizarre reaction of an immediately getting Jokanovic in was just uh, a, a kind of it was bemused me when there were other players who could play in midfield. You know, Morris flits in and out for the season. He's not there. He's in some games. He is. He then isn't. Um, I wonder uh, if I wonder if Ranieri just had a very kind of jaundiced. You know, I mean, it's really interesting because we missed out on this when we're talking about why did they hire Ranieri, and there was that horrible quote from Colin Hutchinson saying that Chelsea are a continental team playing in England, which is so pretentious it's not true. And I want, but there is a, there is an, I mean, there is an element of truth in it that we were a team full of, uh, you know, European, well, foreign players. Period. And I well, wonder, that might be the reason. Well, I want, why, yeah, why I, I, I wonder if Ran, I wonder place. if Ran, yeah, exactly. And I wonder if Ranieri had a 
a very myopic European view of English football and decided that, you know, English midfielders can't pass. All they can do is run around and tackle. And maybe, I mean, that, you know, Yukanovic is, in a sense, is like a, a kind of a, a poor man's, a poor man's Jorginho. That was his role to sit in the, sit in the middle of the midfield and distribute the ball. The trouble was, of course, he, he expected about two weeks to be able to do that. And by the, you know, <laughs> and he was, or, I mean, he used to lose possession all the time. And he was all utterly static, time. you know, all because he time. felt he, he always thought he'd have more time. And maybe yeah. Ranieri wanted, you know, very Italian type or, or continental type midfielders to do that role. And he looked at Dennis and Jody and players like that and thought, oh, no, well, they're English, so they can't do that, which is prejudice, really. Mark? Yeah. So here's a question for you. If the FIFA kids called Jorginho J5 if they were around when we had Jukanovic in the side what would they call him? J20 (laughs) (laughs) he was he was equally unpalatable very good very Very good good. it's okay I'm here all week I'm here all week Uh, one one day I one day I will uh Fulfill my uh, one and only remaining ambition which is to be the warm-up act for the Rudy V's Oh, you can do it whenever you like. There we go. There we. Go. I have to say, and I, I know this is blowing smoke up my own ass, which is not a really pleasurable thing to to do for everybody else. But I was I was very impressed with myself that I I I got the uh, the line. You know, of course you are, you knob. You know, without you having to prompt me, I thought it was the only person so to do. In fact, indeed. I just looked in your direction and you were there. Well, I, I was I was following what was going on. I was listening to the narrative. I was I was in it, you know. I was concentrating on it. Thank you. To everybody listening, it's a song called um, I, I Fell in Love with a Zombie Girl. Yeah. And uh, and all the audience have to do special effects with it. And one of the lines is, of course you are, you knob. Um, after I've said, um, uh, uh, um, do you think I've made the right decision about going out with a zombie girl or am I a complete dick? Of course you are, you knob. That was the... Uh, I just basically channeled the Chelsea fan cast into the performance. And you did so well. I may see your dancing at the end channeled the the, uh, Chelsea fan cast as well. Did it? I don't don't think about the dancing at all. Apart from I have it on video. Oh, you haven't. I I really don't want to see that ever. (laughs) I would have probably been more appropriate to have had me in, you know, dance like your dad. I think that's probably about my level. Anyway, we're going madly off fucking piste here. Of course we are. Of course we are, you knob. Anyway, where where are we? Who we were talking about? Unrest in the camp, Tinkerman, blah blah blah. Anyway, look, we're getting on with it. Getting on with it now. We beat Villa. Uh, oh, LeBeuf was was linked with a move to Monaco. By the way, if we hadn't said that already. Anyway, one 0 we beat Villa. First game of the. Well, can we just year. talk briefly about Ipswich? If we must, because we've kind of moved on from that, mate. Oh, okay. Just wanted to um, that um, uh, Ipswich. Um, uh, uh, Johnson scored. Uh, um, a terrific goal in that. I was just really intrigued by uh, Good Johnson's abilities. It's just getting better and better all the time. Well, he, he scored a hatful of goals, he, didn't he? Whilst he Jimmy did. was away, and he, he gets did. them in braces, he which did. is which is always very interesting about Ida. But uh, and, uh, but Ipswich, this was their sort of big big season before they then were well. They they finished above they, us, didn't they? At the end, they did. They yeah. did. And Marcus Stewart, they had playing. Well, I always thought was a very decent player. Yeah, yeah. always used to have He's him got, in my fantasy teams. Yes, he went to Sunderland, scored 27 goals. He had 27 goals, 75 games for Ipswich. He had a very decent player indeed. And they had the the um, the slightly mad um, Bramble, Titus Bramble, playing at centre-half. Do you remember him? He was uh, v- voted the worst player ever seen in the Premier League at one stage. 
thought that was really interesting when he was playing for Newcastle. Anyway, I digress. Yeah. You do, but don't worry about it. January saw us, uh, obviously the FA Cup comes to town in January, and that was what we had next. We had Peterborough in the Cup. We won 5-0, pretty easy fare. Uh, we then had Arsenal away in the league uh, where we drew 1-1. Uh, Ipswich uh, turned up again uh, um, mid-January. Ipswich were beaten 4-1 by us, I'm delighted to say. Uh, Jimmy Floyd Housebank's now back. We then have Gillingham away in the FA Cup, which we kind of squeaked through. We raced into uh, a 3-0 lead only for Gillingham. I can't even remember what league they're in now. Probably... We've we've missed the first um, five nil beating of Peter. No, we haven't. I, I, I mentioned you that. went straight through that. I mentioned you? it. Okay. I mentioned okay. it. I'm just going to tell everybody say... what what happened, and then we'll okay, pick no, some cool, things cool, up. Then we'll okay, can I just say about the Gillingham game. Um, I started going out with a young lady who, when I didn't go to Gillingham, and I was watching on the box, and uh, um, as the game started, um, she stood in front of the telly and said, "That's enough of that," and turned the television off. And I said, "Yes, it is. Bye bye." Oh, good move. Yes, quite right. I think round of applause is absolutely deserved for that. Well done, JK. You made the right choice. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. You love football more than me? Darling, I love Tottenham more than you. Is the answer. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, you've never heard that one before? No, I haven't. There we go. That's the that's the appropriate response for that one. But yeah. we're not we're not misogynistic or sexist on this show, I promise. No, we're not. We're just doing it as a gag. Um, we're just well and it's a gag and we're just well well formed yes okay i'll leave it let's leave it at that shall we yeah, anyway yeah. Uh, so yeah we beat gillingham 4-2 in the cup we raced into a 3-0 lead they they got two back so it got a bit squeaky and then uh um Idor, uh finished them off with a, a a 90th minute goal but we were basically much better than then um one thing i will say about the gillingham game is both leberth and morris were were stretched off which was rather inconvenient and nasty and we finished off the month of january beating newcastle at home 3-1 Again, Can I say that, sorry, just to, to LeBeouf, I'm probably, sorry to interrupt, LeBeouf being stretched off was something I couldn't ever work out there because it seemed to me that he'd fouled somebody really rather viciously. Uh, he didn't appear to be injured at all and then just lay on the floor and it's taken off. And I was wondering whether he'd done it so that it would look as if he didn't need to be sent off because it was actually a, a um, the, the the foul he committed looked like a red card, looked like vicious foul play. That's a good point. But, um, and I just wondered if whether you uh, whether many players actually did that. They continued their lying on the you know that situation where somebody fouls somebody and they pretend to be injured themselves, so they lie on the floor. And I just wondered whether Leberth had taken it to its logical extreme and been taken off on a stretcher, because if you look at it on the video, you just think he didn't didn't get it at all it's the kind of thing he would do actually it is the kind of thing the would would do he's a smart cookie smart cookie very smart Um, sorry to interrupt that's all right as i said last match of uh, january was newcastle at home three one we won that one now the um the 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 things to pick up on really um which i'll start with mark um in a in in an interesting month uh the arsenal game uh john terry uh coming from uh, man united and uh, the arrival in with some aplomb of U.R. Jesper Gronkiar, Mark. Yes, um, as we said, uh, Gronkiar came in just before Christmas for seven point five million from Ajax. He comes up uh, on a sub at Arsenal. I was there that day. We weren't playing particularly well in the first half, although, as you say, Terry was having a fine game against Thierry Henry. Um, and Gronkiel comes on at half-time and just changes the game. And we looked a far better side in the second half. And he carries that form on over the coming games. Um, 
we talk about the Gillingham game. He has a brilliant game against Gillingham. He's he's the man of the match. He yeah, he really takes the game to Gillingham and he gets a couple of goals as well. He scores again against Newcastle. It was almost like when Iron Robin first appeared for Chelsea and he had that real purple patch when he when he first arrived. And Gronkiard did. And he actually carries the form into February as well. Um and, and we're going to talk about it in a minute, when we play against Man United. And he actually runs Gary Neville ragged that day, which doesn't often happen when Neville was playing for United. He was a very good right back, was Gary Neville. But on this day, you know, Gronkjaer, time and time again, and the press talk about it as well, you know, that was his full you know, home league debut. The hard time he gives to Neville, um, but we'll come to that in a minute. No, Gronkjaer, really good signing. Uh, he goes off the ball a bit, and some of his crosses... Did go in the goal, but some of his crosses also went in the crowd from time to time. He lost as well. his and radar, he got... didn't he, for Chelsea? That's kind of what happened to him. And he suddenly used to. I mean, what? I mean, you know, the next season when I turned up, we started calling him Forrest, was because he'd just run, and then there would be like he reminded me of a player that I used to play with when I was a kid, playing for the uh, the legends that were Ropley Tigers, and uh, there's a guy called Dave Brill, and Dave Dave was the son of a doctor. Uh, from where I grew up, uh, not that that has anything to do remotely with football, but Dave basically was quite posh and he was a rugby player. I think he was a winger when he played rugby. And and because we weren't very smart, we just thought, well, we'll make him winger because he can run very fast. But he, he had no ball control. So and it kind of reminded me, you know, Gronky reminded me of him because he would run really fast and then it would all go tits up at the end, wouldn't it, invariably? But I think, as Mark said, that was the following season. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm talking he about. Came this season, he looked absolutely he looked good. fantastic. He looked the real yeah. deal, didn't he? He really was yep. the real deal. Yeah. I thought, blimey, we've got another player. When my hopes then rose particularly about, going to be great next season, not realising, of course, that his, his talents would somewhat um, wither. And yet, uh, and yet, and yet, he scored some absolutely vital goals for Chelsea, not least the one against Liverpool in, in 2003. Indeed. But there you go. Um Mark, John Terry, man of the match against Arsenal away. Yep, fine game against Henri. And he, he then, as we go into the latter part of the season, he features more and more. And that's maybe why Leboeuf was disenchanted and wanted to go to Monaco. Leboeuf does leave at the end of the season, ironically. And he begins to form a tremendous partnership with Marcel Desailly. And learn a lot from him, too. Indeed, it clearly influenced him. Absolutely. Yeah. He, he says so in the interview, doesn't he, actually? He was very nice yeah. about about, Desai, yeah. fact about that match. Uh, you know, Desai telling him how to, how to deal with Henri and how they would do it in pairs. You know, I like that a lot. I thought that was very good. Um, the only other thing that happened of note, really, in January, uh, of course, was uh, the, the bizarre signing... I always thought this was a completely bizarre signing. I mean, that's easy to say with hindsight when we knew what happened, but the signing of Mark Arsic, sorry, Bosnich from uh, uh, from Man United, Mark. Yeah, and he doesn't play. No. Yeah, he gets he, he, he turns up injured. Yeah. So I don't know what happens about, did, did they, a medical? Did they have a medical with him? Surely he passed a medical. Well, he failed a medical at that point, and we'll come to that in a future season, but... He was a good keeper in his time, Bosnich, yeah. but that was a strange move. Strange, strange move. He, he, the few games he did play for us, he actually kept very well. It, it just was this, as you say, this was bizarre timing. I don't know what happened here at all. Indeed. Uh, February uh, is upon us and uh, it starts off with our obligatory defeat to Leicester. Uh, is it scores against us again? Uh, Jimmy replies on 75 minutes. 
and then Rowett gets their winner with uh, after 76 minutes, one minute later. And then we have this game against Man United at home that uh, Mark was alluding to. I have to say, Mark, I mean, obviously you've already talked about Jesper Gronkia having another great game and running Gary Neville ragged, which very rarely happens. But this was a great game, I thought, and we were very unlucky that it ended up 1-1, uh, really. I think we were the better side on the day by a mile. And these, these guys are, you know, at the top of the league, by the way. United go on to win the league, and I know we'll talk about it when we do the end of season wrap up. Uh, but we didn't lose to them this season. You know, we, we we drew both games, and in both games, especially the second half of Old Trafford, we gave them two hard games, um, two hard ninety minutes over the course of that, that season. And do you know who cost us the game? I I do, but I'm going to pretend I don't. Mark, who could that be? A certain gentleman who was a schoolmaster at Harrow School uh, who darkened our doorstep in 94. We mm. said, never again. Well, Ellery was referee this day. Um, watch it on video, folks, or watch the end of season review. There's clearly a foul on Zola where he gets fouled, where Zola does get a penalty, where VAR now would give it all day long. All day but there's long. this bizarre, bizarre goal and goal in inverted commas, that would have been our second goal, and we would have been 2-0 up, that Zola scores. And what it is, uh, if you know the shed end corner flag, Van der Howe comes out of the goal for some strange reason, probably either to put the ball in or shadow the ball out of play, um, and the ball actually hits the corner flag down in the east end shed end corner, and it rebounds to Zola, who slips it past Van der Howe. I think he actually might have put it through his legs. He did. And Zola curls the ball. He kicks it legs, through yeah. his legs. He kicks yeah. it, yeah. He, he curls the ball from a really tight ankle into the goal. Now, Ellery disallows the goal because he said the ball went out of play. Now, I, I rewound this a couple of times and I've watched it. I don't think the ball was out of play. And that was a perfectly good goal uh, that actually cost us the three points. When has David Ellery ever cost us a game before against Manchester United? But it, it's also the kind of decision that that, that somebody as as similarly egotistical as as Ellery would make, because he's uh, about forty yards away and he can see whether the ball has gone out of play or not, because he has that kind of vision, because he is monarch of all he surveys, and so it made absolute sense for him to give it out, uh, give it as a a throw in, because I almost feel that if you can make a big decision as a referee. You feel you've 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 emphasised something about your yourself as a person in the day, and you've made a match-changing decision based on a kind of whim. There's no the linesman is in a much better place, has no say in it. As always, we are seeing complete replica. Nothing has changed in all those years. That's twenty years ago. The same thing happens nowadays. And a clearer penalty on Zola from the foul by oh. Stam, you cannot see. Oh. And and I mean the and Mark's right. I mean the goal that Zola scored, it was definitely in play, right on the corner flag, and the ability that he showed to put the ball in the net. Wonderful. I mean, for fuck's sake, you know they Wonderful ruined the game, Z- referees. Zola style goal, brilliant. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. I know, goal. absolutely brilliant. Um, so yeah, we're a bit unlucky there. We deserve we deserved uh, more more uh, out of that game than uh, than we got, which is largely down to. David Ellery, uh, but there you go. The other thing I wanted to ask, Mark, how the hell did Jimmy Floyd Hass- Hasselbank miss that that chance? 
But you know, he's put yeah. through and he lingers on it, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it was like mad. I mean, it was easier to score. But there you go. Say, say. But you has to bank some slack because he had a super. Oh team. no, no, I'm not not digging him out. I just can't believe he he missed it. Yeah. You know, he'd normally have just done it first time, but he takes a first touch for some strange yeah. reason, which allows. Uh, who is it who tackles him? Is it Neville? Oh, I can't remember. It may well have been. It may well have been, unless I'm about to see it now. Uh, I think it was Stam. All right. It's hard it to see sense. the picture's so yeah. soft. It's it's hard to see, but I'm I'm guessing it's Stam. Uh, he's a good player, of course, as we all know. Remember now, the next match, of course, we're still in the FA Cup, which right now realistically is our only chance of silverware. Uh, and we play Arsenal. Yippity doodah, we're away. We're at Highbury, and one thing I meant to mention actually, when I was watching the league match on the on the review, the one all, the Highbury screamer, Mark. Do you know about the Highbury Screamer? The Highbury Screamer? The Highbury Screamer. Basically, if you watch uh, any match uh, with Chelsea you played, or any team that played Arsenal, in fact, at Highbury in, in this kind of period, whenever uh, the opposition scored a goal, this young lady would emit screams like she was uh, auditioning for Hammer House of Horror. And uh, me and my mates used to call her the Highbury Screamer. So there you go. Go back and listen to it at another time. And you when when uh, when JT scores and in fact again in in the in the uh in the in the uh in the cup match when uh, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank scores, you will hear the Highbury screamer. So there you go. Now, uh yeah, we got them in the cup. Uh Henri Henri Henry scores 52 minutes with a pen. Jimmy scores on 62 minutes. And then bloody Sylvain Wiltord scores two goals in, you know, 11 minutes, 74 and 85. Which basically put an end to our FA Cup dreams, Mark, didn't it? Uh, end end of the season, really. It was it uh, was, wasn't it? Yeah, first time since 1993 that we'd not featured in a semi-final. Um, very, very frustrating, and a pattern that begins to form that we'll talk about in future fan cast shows. Arsenal continually ending our FA Cup for the season, and built towards. I don't think, yeah, I don't think it was ever on a losing side against Chelsea. He only, I think he played 11 games against Chelsea and never lost the game. So absolutely sick of the sight of him, you know. So, yeah, very came quick, on. Very quick yeah, player, quick wasn't he? Came on, two goals, killed the game. But the Hasselbank goal, and he got so many during the course of the season, the Hasselbank goal in this game, and like watching it back, and I, I, was, I was in the clock in that day, and I was behind the goal, and the way he turns and hits it, like he spins round, and hits it in the top corner. Then he does like a, a somersault afterwards. Just an incredible goal. And watching it back on the end of season review, I think they show the sky coverage because it was a Sunday game. And Andy Gray is just absolutely eulogising about Hasselbank and saying this is like a striker at the top of his game because he was being marked by Tony Adams. There was no slap. And he just finds that one yard of space to turn and hit the top corner. It's the way, we the way the he bent it in. It's the way he bent it in as well, which yeah. he was brilliant at doing. Absolutely brilliant. But just so so frustrating, you know, losing, you know, in them to them of all teams to get knocked out of the FA Cup, which, as I said, sadly, it's a pattern that's going to be repeated for a few more years yet. Sick of the sight of them. He yeah. seemed to be very inept at dealing with balls just pumped over the top that are fast, uh, which is once again a pattern that we've, we've replicated um, quite frequently since, um, so that and the the uh, centre forward, the centre half would be found wanting. They'd miss the ball or they'd be be beaten to the ball by somebody racing forwards. 
And Will Tord, that was his big thing. He was a very quick, bulky centre forward. Well, winger, more of a, than a centre forward, but uh, took the goals well, you know. But if you give them the opportunity, um, it's just a long pass, beats the defence, gets through, scores, you know. Um, I mean, I think the match turned really. Um, I think it was uh, Ida, possibly. Uh, might have been Gronky. I hit, hit the bar when it was one yeah. all, you know, and it, you know it would have been so different. But as Mark says, and this 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 is you know really one of the seeds of my hatred of Arsenal was sown around this period where we just could not beat them for love nor money, and particularly in the FA Cup. More of that later of Chidge's meltdowns about losing to Arsenal in the Cup. Uh, so there we go. So we finished February in 10th position in the league, uh, and in March we played Coventry away. It was 0-0. West Ham away, we won 2-0. We'll talk about that in a minute. Home, uh, we lost 2-4 to Sunderland, of all people. And uh, in uh, the end of March, we played Middlesbrough and we won 2-1 at home. Guess who scored for Middlesbrough? Dean Windass, that's right. But let's go right back to where we started and pick up on a couple of these things. I mean, really, I think in particular, Mark, uh, the West Ham and the Sunderland games. Uh, The West Ham game was our first away win for a year, wasn't it? Yep, chalk chalk and cheese in that lovely yellow kit. Um, The Hasselbank good Johnson double act. They both get a goal, teaming up really well by now. And actually, the other interesting thing about this game, um, thinking of where we start the season with all that euphoria and hope for the future with our brand new signing, this was Stanich's second start since the start of the season. He had a number of subsequent. We'd missed him for a large part of the season, Stanich. Was that through injury, though, or just choice? Yep, yeah. yep through injury. Seen. Through injury. Yeah. He, yeah. he did his knee, I think, against yeah. Villa. And. I mean, you know that he was injured out of the game later on, and I think that was the start of it, sadly. I mean, it was just so cruel, because how how can you have that start for your club? Two goals on a debut, one of them an absolute... One of the best goals I've seen at Chelsea. And then not play, maybe play another couple of matches, and, and I mean, he never really... I mean, he never, never really recaptured that, that, but I think no. it was the knee injury that he got that this season that really did for him, because I don't think he ever really recovered. I mean, I know he came back and played, but... I mean, one of the nice things about uh, Mario Stanic was, you know, because he got injured again, didn't he, a season or two later, and that pretty much did for him. But he would always be, he he would all he was stand at the tunnel and watch the matches. He 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 clearly loved the club, and he was so supportive of the club for somebody whose career was wrecked by it because of the injury. But anyway, we digress. And of course, through being in the club with Mario Melchior, meant that we had the week. Got We've Marios. got two Marios. We've got two <laughs> Marios. Of course, JK. Fancy forgetting that. That's appalling of me. But there you go. But as you said, the, re- the reverse of the West Ham was that shocking 4-2 defeat against oh, Sunderland. Man. Yeah. At Redi- Sunderland winning 4-2 at Chelsea. Uh, end-to-end, we kept taking the lead. They kept coming back. Then they went ahead. And, and there was a real key point in this game because, as I said earlier, Gronkar's in this really early part Chelsea career purple patch. And the tinker man is tinkering. He always seems to make three substitutes every game, always. usually around the 60, 65th minute. Yes, there thereabouts. You could you yes. could have a bet on it. So he actually takes Gronkiar off, and with three two down for Sunderland, they've just gone ahead. And we talked about it earlier. The Viali charts start up again. The crowd is singing, "You don't know what you're doing," and he's actually bringing Zola on. But the, the crowd were jeering because he'd taken Gronkier off. Yeah. 
you know, I think their viewpoint is well, if you're going to bring Zola on, keep Gromke on as well and take someone like Jukanovic off if he was on the pitch. Yeah. So the Viali charts once more reared their head again. We lose 4 2. Viali charts continue. Um, and, you know, I think again, also, said, you know, the beginning of the Tink Man, he's, he started tinkering now. Yeah. I think, Mark, the other thing about that was the there was huge optimism for that game. And I remember yeah. because we we had the opportunity of qualifying for the Champions League. Yep. Just suddenly there was this, because we were playing better, we seemed to be on a roll. We've just beaten the Hammers. And um, we we thought, well, well, we'll put them to the sword and then we're going to be in a position to possibly get in the top three. And, yep, absolutely right. Um, and um, interesting enough, there was a Gronkia goal given offside um, earlier on. That, was uh, it? And, um, was it, it offside? It, 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 there was one earlier that he that he wasn't against, against Sunderland. I don't think it was, yeah. mate. No, he wasn't. He was given offside, yeah. but VAR would now have thought differently. But you know, once again, it's it's the human eye and it does it. It's um um from an uh, Hasselbank pass and uh, yes, but I it, you've actually just just you've you've jogged my memory there. I remember that exactly that business of Gronkia coming off in that position and he was playing out of his skin. And us absolutely giving Ranieri um, a, 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 a mouthful. Did you chant Viali? Um, I don't think I'd, I may have done actually yeah, in this instance. Yeah, see, weirdly, yeah. because I, I felt that was the best way of showing my uh, dismay. Rather, rather than say Ranieri down with that sort of thing, you chanted yeah, Viali. Yeah, go Ranieri out. Yeah. I thought that just because Viali was like a kind of shorthand, even though I didn't really want Viali back. But yeah, I was so disappointed. But yeah, absolutely right, Mark. This this constant three off that appeared to have nothing to do with how the way anybody was playing was something that Ranieri would do for the rest of his tenure at Chelsea. Mm. It was mystifying beyond belief and irritated me so much. Mm. Anyway. Well, I mean, we still ended up uh, in six. Uh, this is now the end of March. We're, we're in six positions. So, you know, we've got April and a bit of May to go. So hope for a Champions League qualification has not yet gone. One other very sad note, right at the end of March, Mark, wasn't there, which absolutely saddened. I mean, actually, the fun, well, it's not a funny thing, really. But the thing that I've always remembered about this uh, was, A, how sad we were. But it's one of the few things I've ever really agreed on with my Arsenal mates. Yep, the sad news that David Rowcastle passed away at the end of this month at only 33 years of age you know, from um, Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, he only played 29 games for Chelsea. A lot of the time when he was with us, um, he played through injury. Um, people will tell you, like people know Nigel Spectrum's a good friend of mine. You know, Nigel used to sit next to him in the dressing room. His legs were covered in scars. You know, for the amount of surgery he'd had, but he was always the first on the training ground. He'd play through pain. He really enjoyed his time at Chelsea Football Club. Really enjoyed it. It's all a bit of a renaissance. And I think if anyone was at that Bruges Cup Winners Cup game um, at Stamford Bridge, which I, again is probably in many fans' top ten home games of all time, he was majestic that night. Absolutely superb for Chelsea. A great player. He came to us late in his career, but such a tragedy. But also the sad news as well that. Um, uh, one of our, you know, good song title players, Jess Hogg. He had to retire the week before through injury. So no more Jess Hogg, I can boogie. He boogied no more. Mm, indeed, yeah. Losing Rocky was tragic. As I said, it's about the only thing I've ever agreed on with my 
uh, Arsenal friends who were they loved Rokas or of course they saw the best of him he was a phenomenally talented midfield player he really was uh, and as I said you know we, we, we only saw him for a little while but he, he showed his class as they say right we're off to April now unless JK wants to comment on Rowcastle no no terrific player great passer and uh, appeared one of those players appeared to have more time on mm, the ball than you classy think. very classy yeah yeah that's yeah. Arsenal all over, really, full of class, as they like to tell us. But uh, in in this case, they were right. Rowcastle was a class above. Uh, anyway, we're into April, so we're in, in the home stretch of the season. We played Derby away. We won 4-0. Uh, we had the obligatory 1-0. Uh, well, sorry, we lost. Wash my mouth out. We beat Saints 1-0 at home. Uh, we uh, had the obligatory uh, win against Spurs, 3-0 away. And uh, oh, we managed to lose to Charlton. How delightful. 1-0 at home. And then we uh, we lost 2-0 away to Leeds, which, uh, as JK will no doubt tell us, was mind-numbingly irritating. But then again, they were in the semi-final of the Champions League, would you believe? Uh, let's pick up a few things from there. Let's talk about the uh, the Spurs game, uh, Mark and JK. Um, I mean, you know, obviously it's a delight to beat Spurs, but uh, we're kind of in the middle of this hot patch that lasted 28 years, aren't we, really? Yep, we're, we're, we're uh, once more normal service resumed, winning at winning, winning at Tottenham. Uh, Glenn Hoddle had actually turned up during the season, and when we beat them earlier in the season at Bridge, George Graham was manager. Hoddle had now taken over, uh, and as JK said earlier, and I know we dropped the points against Sunderland, but amazingly, we we're still in sixth position after the season we'd had, and those sort of like three, four wins on the spin. We now had five games to go, and we were still in with a chance of the Champions League. Um, Ipswich was just ahead of us, and we had a game in hand on Ipswich, and we were two points behind Leeds, and as we said, Leeds were coming up as well. You know, third place, amazingly, after the season we had, was still on. You know, and that Tottenham win raised everybody's expectation once more. It's great beating Tottenham, but we had a shout, you know, of getting into the Champions League, and then we blow it the following week at home at Charlton by losing to them. No doubt you were both there. I mean, JK, can you? You're looking at me like, for fuck's sake. Of course I was there. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, you're not saying for fuck's sake. Of course I should know you were there. For fuck's sake, how did we lose to Charlton 1 0? Chidge. JK, in all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Uh, But yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all... No more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. 
I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Ginge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yeah, but it was... You know, what do you do? It was um, Scott Parker played, didn't he, for them? And, played out um, of his skin, of course. Played out of his skin, yeah. And uh, Graham Stewart was playing for them. Bobby Stewart was playing for them. Didn't he um, get a great ovation from us? Yeah, yeah, he I did. Got a good reception. Because yeah. he'd been to Everton, hadn't he? And he'd gone there after that. I mean, uh, they sort of, they were a lot of journeymen, weren't they, Charlton? But they always managed to sort of, I mean, that, that was the, 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 the double over us for the season, wasn't it? It was, uh, I think actually they only had, my memory um, um, reminds me here, they only had one shot on goal. I think we were that all over them. Um, but they just defended like lions. Um, it was just so disappointing. But this was the season, wasn't it? You just, I mean, I, I can't remember the team. It'd be interesting to find out what the team was as to who he'd, who he'd mucked around with, who he'd stuck in. You want to know the Charlton team? Uh, no, no, the, not the Charlton team. Just... No, no, who he played, the, the, the team yeah, yeah. he picked for against Charlton. Yes, please. Yeah, okay. yeah. Well, I mean, incidentally, Charlton, this was the Charlton under Kirbishley, Alan Kirbishley. Yeah. Who had got them into what we would call like a good uh, middle of the table, premier, established Premier League side, and um, they were very irritating to play against. And as as we said, Scott Parker was a good player, definitely their best player at the time. We uh, we had Mike Dean as the referee. Bloody hell, mm. God, he's been refereeing that long. You would have thought he would have improved with age, but clearly mm. not. Uh, right, Kudachini, Desai, Gus Poye, uh, Hasselbank, uh, Ida came on for Hasselbank at half time. Dennis Wise, Mario Stanich, Graham Lasso, Melchior, Sam Dalabona, Franco Zola, and uh, Gronkio came on for him at half time. John Terry. Decent sign. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, he, he, he takes off. Uh, he took Zola off for Gronkio and he took Jimmy off for Ida. But you want to know why wasn't Jimmy playing with Ida, considering well, that was a combination that had been hugely successful? I'll, why did he feel it necessary not to play the two of them because he was playing zola instead it, well if you're going to bring if you, you make a choice don't you play zola instead with jimmy possibly but then you bring Ida on but for me you if you can accommodate all three of them for the season then you know in the forward line do it they're all fantastic well players. i mean you would pl- you would play a uh you know like a a three four two one yeah yeah ted rogers Easily done Easily Almost. done. To have, to have Zola on the bench or Ida on the bench is absolutely stupid. I know, I know. But that's what... Jimmy, Jimmy said himself, Jimmy said the best combination for him was Ida up front with him. Yeah. yeah. But you could not pick Zola. So you say you'd play Jimmy and Ida up top and you play Zola behind. Okay, exactly. yeah. So you'd play one, two, three, yeah. four, one, two. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, but excuse me, we've worked it out. What's the manager doing? You know, Zola's a class act. Jimmy's a class act. Ida's a class act. Don't put one of them on the bench. Accommodate yeah. them. What's the matter with him? Yeah. No, mate. I mean, I'm not going to argue with anything. Not that I would argue with you anyway, but uh, 
I'm not oh. going to argue with anything. Um, Mark, the uh, you know the Leeds away game, if we wanted to secure Champions League qualification, really was a must-win game because they were above us in the table. They were, we were five points behind them by the time we played them. Four games to go. Um, and, of course, they we, we kind of felt we had a chance, really, because they were uh, playing Valencia in the Champions League semi-final, weren't they? But I think it's... I mean, would I be right in saying they were a, were a much better team on the day than we were? Oh, they, they, they were. And I think this was Leeds' sort of purple patch when they had O'Leary and Risdale breaking the bank. And I think they signed Rio Ferdinand at round about this time for a ridiculous amount of money. They signed Robbie Keane, Raduca. So they were spending a lot of money. And, and it was the perfect time to play them because they had um, their Champions League semi-final against Valencia the following Wednesday. So if there were ever an opportunity to sort of soften up leads. And to be fair, our, our Chelsea players you know, on the day had five of them got booked. So they certainly got stuck into Leeds, but Leeds were the better side on the day. We lost 2-0, two late goals, Keenan Maduka, and that basically was our Champions League chance gone. Yeah, We had a good spell. We forced ourselves back into it with our form at the end of March, early April. We won four games in a row. But the defeats against Charlton and Leeds, uh, if we'd won both of those, ironically, we would have got into the Champions League. Yeah, it wasn't that far away, which is remarkable. Went to the game and I just got the Leeds game. This business, I mean, Viduka, very good player, great goal. As you say, very good team, very good team indeed. But you know, we were holding out till the to the uh, 86th minute, which uh, was was when Keane scored. Keane, terrific player, had a terrific series of players, but we're doing okay. But it's just this constant thing of you get towards the end of the season with the possibility of doing stuff which we'd had the season before and you just go oh god that's happened again that's why i get the, the more we get into the season the more all these memories come flooding back and i'm going oh no i can't remember i remember going there and being so disappointed we were doing so well holding them at nil nil and having chances and being a decent side you know we've got decent players who are not being managed properly and uh, I came away bitterly disappointed, as I did a lot during this period of watching us play. Well, indeed. I mean, you know, I think if you're going to blame anything, you're going to blame the defeat on Charlton at home. I mean, that, that oh, really, yeah. that really yeah, shouldn't yeah. have happened. At the same time, the same time, you go with hope, don't you? You know, you think, hang on, well, I mean, that may have been the case. We're all over Charlton. They just managed to, we failed to put the ball in the net, which was beyond me. But yeah. but some of them played out of their skin against us. And they were, as you say, Charlton were, uh, they finished 12th so often that they, I think they then had ideas above their station. They sacked Beardsley, or Kirbishly, and it all fell apart after that because they were attempting to get further than 12th. And they should just have stayed in the division being uh, being a team that that uh, that was their great achievement but once they had these aspirations to get any higher then the whole thing fell apart unfortunately and uh sadly their goal came from a a Cudicini, a very rare Cudicini Cudicini era. error. But there you go but uh i mean leeds you know where we well you know i mean if you if we were unlucky against uh charlton we were a bit unlucky against i mean zola cracked a beautiful shot against the post yeah you know, which would have changed the game because I think it was nil-nil at the time, but uh, it wasn't to be. Um, okay, so we do end up uh, in sixth uh, at the end of April. Um, bit of a comedy goal, by the way, but Robbie Keane scored for Leeds, which didn't help. But anyway, we end up sixth in the league uh, at the end of April. We now only have three more games. Uh, the last home game against Everton at the beginning of May and then two away games against Liverpool and Man City. Um to uh, to secure some sort of a decent position, even though Champions League may well have gone. Uh, we, we beat Everton 2-1 at home. We draw away to Liverpool 
uh, 2-2. Now, this was the season that Liverpool basically did a treble of cups. They did the League Cup and the FA Cup. How bizarre. We, I'm surprised we didn't mention that as a comparable season, actually. But, uh, yeah, anyway, uh, on our review show. But, yeah, they won both the FA Cup and the League Cup and the UEFA Cup. Um, and Man City, we uh, we went up there and we won 2-1. They were uh, already relegated by that stage, which I think was was that was that the... Um, that wasn't the uh, when they went all, a long way down and had to come back up again, was it, Mark? I don't know. Was that was, was that when they went down? No, I, or was that a previous relegation? I think, I think that was think, a pre. That was nineties, wasn't it? That was in the nineties. Yeah, 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 yeah. When when Alan Ball was manager. I Alan think, Ball. Back then. Alan Ball. Yeah. Sorry, I can't help it. If you ever mention Alan Ball to me, it's automatic. My favourite chant ever. I can't. I'll let you do it just because because I'm kind. Go on. There's Alan, Alan, Alan Ball, Alan Ball, Alan Ball, Alan, Alan, Alan Ball, Alan, Alan Ball. So when I said to some of the boys on Friday night, I said, this is basically the Chelsea fan cast that we're seeing in the Rudy V's because that's what we get every Monday night. That is exactly what I was talking about. And being unfair, actually, it should be in a high-pitched voice from the very beginning. Oh, no, don't Alan, worry. Alan, no, no, enough, 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 enough. Uh, right, anyway, back to the football. Because um, that's the way he spoke. I know. Uh, yeah, so, Mark, Everton game. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, the Tinker Man does it again. I mean, you know, we beat them fairly comfortably, it has to be said, although it was only 2-1. Uh, but there was a bit of bit of unrest in the stands again. What what a way to end the end the season! So your last home game should always finish on a high if you possibly can, lap of appreciation, etc. And the good news, after all the speculation that had gone on the previous months, and there was lots of talk uh, about Zola um, going back home to Italy because his wife was homesick for her family, and Chelsea managed to persuade Zola to stay on for a couple more years, um, and. That should be a cause for celebration. Um, if people remember in the Matthew Harding lower that day, people actually brought along banners saying, thank you, Mrs. Zola. So fans were delighted. A player of that class was staying for two two more seasons. And then the bizarre thing, you know, and he did many bizarre substitutions, Claudio Ranieri. You're keeping Gianfranco Zola. It's the last home game of the season. I think what most people wanted to see was a Zola goal to finish off the season before they break for the summer if they weren't doing the Liverpool Man City game. And he brings Zola off, not to bring a Eidegger Johnson or a Jesper Gronkiar onto the pitch, or even a try out a untried youngster. He brings on Jakanovic. Go you figure. don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Should you have chanted that? Did you? Yeah. Did you chant Viali? No, no, you sure. Just you don't sure. know what you're doing amidst a few other choice words directed towards the yeah. uh, the dugout. Yeah, yeah. Well, understandably, it was all a bit bizarre. I mean, we played really well against Liverpool. I think. Uh, I mean, you know, they were, you know, they were a good cup side. They were pretty shonky in the league, as we as we know. I'm just trying to figure out where they where they finished up in the league. Actually, funnily enough, um, they finished they finished third. We actually rained on their parade that evening. Because uh, you're did, right, they? they had their, their triple cup. Uh, but also, this would have been the highest Liverpool finish for many years because they'd gone through their, their in the doldrums period, going through different managers. Uh, and us taking a point off them saw Arsenal finish second and Liverpool finish third. 
Yeah. Another two. We cost in second place. Good. That's what we want to know. Uh, we another two great Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank goals and two goals from Michael Owen, of course. Um, hardly uh, surprising there because he was peak Michael Owen at that time of his career. Um, so, uh, Mark, the one thing I want to ask you about what was basically a fairly inconsequential game, which was the Man City away game. Something happened in this game that I, I didn't know. I mean, obviously, we won 2 1, which meant we, we ended up uh, uh, in, you know, in, in, in six, which was the, uh, the final position for us, which meant we qualified for the UEFA Cup, which is the fifth year in a row uh, that we had qualified for Europe, even in a disappointing season that had promised a lot. But there was something that happened after that, which I had no, no knowledge of. Oh, well, well, what happened, obviously, as we said, City were relegated. So there's a bit of unrest amongst the City fans because they've been relegated because they actually came up, um, promoted the previous season after being down in the doldrums, the Gillingham game, etc. cetera. Uh, I'm sure, if I remember rightly, I think I think a City fan ran on the pitch during the game, I think went for Wise, if I, I, I could remember that wrong because oh. I know why Wise scored the open goal. But at the end of the game, and if, if you remember Main Road, if you know where the Kipax was, there was a period for a number of years where the Chelsea section um, was, if, if you were looking out on the TV screen, you can see the Kipax off opposite you. To the left-hand side, in the far corner, the right-hand corner, is where the away fans went during the 90s. So there was about 3,000 Chelsea up there. And in the same sand, they shared it with the Man City fans. And at the end of the game, obviously, City fans were on the pitch. And there was a fight between both respective supporters that ran into several hundred of both teams. Uh, and the memorable thing was, I think, the Daily Mail, I think, on the Monday, published a photo. Because actually, you know, after the sort of summer of love, Acid House, etc., um, football grounds, there hadn't been much fighting in football grounds for quite a while. So this was almost like a throwback to the 80s. And they showed photos of the fighting fans and... Of the hundreds fighting, you couldn't distinguish between the Man City and the Chelsea fans because most were wearing casual Stone Island gear, whatever. But there was one gentleman, and we talked about the blue kit at the start of tonight's programme. Um, a well-known face, is all I will say, from Chelsea yesteryear, um, smack bang in the middle of the fighting. And everyone just saw that, thought, yep, I know who he is. OK. Does yeah. his surname begin with H? <laughs> i knew it i knew it fantastic yeah. mad bastard that he is bless his heart anyway um so there we go that was the season that was uh 2000 2001 um i mean for me jk i mean you know for me it will always be defined by the sacking of viali really who had lost the dressing room and the media but not not the fans, because, I mean, you aside, there were constant chants of Viali throughout the season. And that, I know, continued into the next season because I was actually there. So I, I know that it did and I was joining in with it. Um, but I think you can say it was defined by that because, in a sense, everything else that happened, Ranieri and the Tinkerman stuff, all flowed from that, really, didn't it? It didn't resolve anything. That's the bizarre thing, isn't it? Well, I think we spent the rest of the season after he'd gone trying to work out what exactly Ranieri was trying to do, which didn't help and uh, made us um, yearn for this uh, uh, supposedly purple period while Viali was in charge. But it was apparent to me from the very beginning of the season that he he, he, he was 
likely to be losing his job. In fact, we were all predicting it wouldn't take very long just because of his communications. The, the This very strange thing about saying you had to have two teams, one for away performances and one for home. And uh, and the, the stuff coming out in the press and his rows with LeBeuf and uh, um, the fact that Southgate was coming and that he wasn't coming. And it, it was, it was, you almost... I mean, I, well, you yearned for the sacking to take place so there'd be some kind of calm. The trouble was, was that nobody had heard of Ranieri and it became absolutely apparent as the season went on that he really didn't have a clue as to what should be happening in the Premier League. Because to me, this was a fantastic team of players that, that some of whom should never have been sold, some of whom um, still had plenty to give to the side and had played superbly and uh, he managed to fart about for most of the season so we didn't we didn't know what what was actually happening and he wasted opportunities as we will find out mm. he wasted opportunities for nearly all his career no. despite being backed by the board as we will discover more and more purchases were made at even higher figures well they were they were for a little while but then then it all changes but we'll get into that no, no, ultimately but i yeah. think there was a period in no the no form, you're right well you know where certain, call it call certain, it call it as it is lampard 12 million next indeed, season yeah indeed, exactly indeed, indeed. Um, but um but yes yeah, so that's my my view is uh is yes it was there was a kind of inevitability yeah. that, um, that viali would go but at the same time i thought he would be replaced with somebody of uh um uh well a top manager a better quality because I mean you know you can't call, call Ranieri at that time a top manager no it was a no. poor appointment I think yeah, in hindsight very. and I think in hindsight you're right I think in hindsight if we had been reading the runes of the previous season you could tell that it was all going tits up in the dressing room with Viali so it shouldn't have been the surprise that it it was to me indeed and and I was very I was very saddened by it I absolutely loved the stuff out of uh, of, of Viali as a player, and he had just won us five trophies, bearing in mind that I had spent the majority of my life uh, having never seen uh, Chelsea win a trophy until the 90s, you know, apart from the full Members' Cup. So for somebody to come in and win five trophies, he was like a god for me as a manager. So well, When you're saying it like that, I feel, feel that I'm being very critical, but I felt that he had the opportunity at the end of the season to win the league, and he blew it. And so yeah, well, there were a couple of seasons looking at prior that where that was... You know, definitely the case, as we know. Uh, Mark, um, for me, uh, the best thing about the season was the signing of Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, who I think established himself in that season unquestionably as our best number nine since Kerry Dixon. Um, I mean, I do. I mean, you know, he scored. Uh, I mean, you know, the, the highest number of goals in the top flight since Kerry, uh, who got thirty six and eighty four, eighty five, and in any league since eighty eight, eighty nine, when Kerry got twenty eight, he won the Golden Boot. Uh, for the Premier League with 23 goals. Uh, and, of course, Ida was, was was kind of growing or proving to be a really good foil for him too. So, you know, we kind of found ourselves with arguably our best two strikers for a generation at a time when the team was in transition and going downhill a bit. And, and I kind of feel, what a load of bollocks, because we got these two great strikers, Jimmy in particular, and it was wasted in a sense, wasn't it? Yes, it's it was a frustrating season, but you're absolutely right. You know, the signing of Hasselbank, um, superb, and so confident. You, know, you you want that in your centre forward. Like if you think about where we've gone in the last couple of seasons and the strikers we've bought, where we've talked many times that actually 
a lot of football is is not just a physical side, it's the mental side. And having that confidence and wondering whether some of our more recent acquisitions haven't got it mentally. You know, J- Jimmy had, you know, what do they say, had the minerals, but he also had them in his head as well. He actually believed he was the best striker in the Premier League and he played like he was the best striker in the Premier League. I was lucky. Um, if you know Nick Till um, and his mm. pub, the Duke of Edinburgh and Ascot, uh, I was lucky before lockdown, he organised one of his legends nights with Jimmy and just listen to Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank for a couple of hours. Yeah, even now, 20 years on, he was just so confident in his ability and absolutely delighted to join Chelsea Football Club. And I, I have regrets about Viali. I'm re- I, I think we should have stuck with him a bit longer. And Hasselbank talked about Viali ringing him up when he was away on holiday, you know, when he was at Atletico Madrid. And Viali saying to him, I'm buying you, I'm breaking the club transfer record because you're the guy that will win us the Premier League. And I think if we persevered with Viali a bit longer, maybe cleared out a few more of the sort of like unrestful people in the dressing room. I think if you take the berth out, I think Di Matteo and Zola, I think, would have stayed in line. Um, Hasbank makes reference to that. And I, I think we... Tome. Played Tome, I agree. I agree. Yeah, we'd have kept Emerson Tome. We would have never signed Winston Bahada. Bahada was the, 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 the downfall of Viali. Because actually we had a lot of good players still. Yeah, we had Lasso. Yeah, we had good cover and so in Babriaro. We had Melchior. We had Albert Ferrer when he was fit. Um, we could have done a better job with Panucci. We had Poyer. We had Di Matteo. We had Dennis, we bought, Dennis Wise. We had Dennis Wise. We bought a good well, player. And we, and, we had, and we had young young players coming through. I mean, we had Sal, John, Sam Dalabona. John Terry. Sam Dalabona. Jody Morris was there as well. Yeah. So we had the makings of a really good, good balance, mate. Good balance. But somehow, over the course of that season... Um, Obviously, after Viali went, sad to see him go. Um, but there was something fundamentally wrong, you know, at Chelsea Football Club. But those great players that we had and great players coming through, just we didn't mesh it together to actually succeed in this particular season. And I actually think finishing six is a real disappointment. And it's probably the most disappointing season um, since the sort of pre-Glen Hoddle time. I mean, I, I totally get what you say, and I, I don't, I don't disagree with it for a minute. But I, I actually think, you know, in hindsight, which of course is a is a luxury we didn't have back in two thousand and one, I think finishing sixth was actually not a bad, not a bad, you know, not bad really, because when you consider everything that was going on at the time, you know, Ranieri as manager, the unrest, all of that kind of thing, and also, you know, the 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 injuries. I also think. It's kind of quite a what we would call like a very present day Chelsea problem here, where expectations were set so high at the beginning of the season that if you don't meet those expectations, it's massively disappointing. And actually, interestingly enough, Spy mentions this on the season's review. You know, we would have bitten our arm off for a sixth place position 10 years prior, but Chelsea had changed as a football club and we were now saying, well, we should we should have a crack at the title. So I think that all plays into it. I mentioned injuries a minute ago, uh, chaps. Uh, Jonathan, you know, the loss of uh, Robbie Di Matteo. We didn't know it was career-ending at the time, but that was horrific. We lost Stanich for most of the season, who was the great hope in midfield. We had Wise, who was disgruntled. We had a young Sam Dalabona, who I think did all right. We had that plank Yukanovic. I mean, for me, the midfield was a complete mess, but it wasn't helped by those injuries, I don't think. I mean, Dennis, again... He alludes to this. He said that him and Robbie had set up such a good playing relationship that missing him was a massive factor. I I, I agree completely. They were hampered, but um, 
I still think they had the firepower to do better. I don't think, uh, I think Dennis being played out of position was a, a complete disaster. It was a ridiculous mistake by Ranieri. Um, uh, and Poyet played out of his skin all season um, and con contributed a huge amount, but it just wasn't enough. Um, there were too many players out of position or playing um, who, who were were not consistently being employed in a proper structure in the team for me. Mark? Yeah, the thing, the thing I was going to say as well is, you know, despite all that, if you look at the top three, we didn't lose to the top three. No. Our defeats, and I think you made reference to it earlier, we lost to Bradford. They got relegated. We lost to Everton. They they finished 16th again. We lost to Middlesbrough. They finished down the bottom. And we had, I think, Leicester, Charlton and Sunderland do the double over us. Now, if you've got any kind of Champions League high point of the table aspirations, you're winning at Sunderland home and away. You're winning at Charlton home and away. And you'd like to think, well, they're a much better side now. At that point, you'd be wanting to beat Leicester home and away. Now, if you win all of those, you've got 12 extra points. You're second in the table and you're chasing yeah. United Tales for the title. Well, I think that's that's the other thing, Mark, isn't it? I think I think that's a really, really good point about who we were not beating or who we were losing to. But, of course, the other blindingly obvious thing is the, is the difference between the home form and the away form. I mean, we lost we lost three matches all season at home, which, you know, isn't too bad. Uh, but the away form was terrible. We lost eight matches away from home. And as we know, it took us until March for our first away win of the season. You turn some of that around and it's a very different story. So that was... And they did, none of them seemed to know what it was. I mean, Viali's weird quote at the beginning, notwithstanding. But they, they've all... You know, all the players who were interviewed for the review DVD were saying... Well, I think Mar, uh, Marcel Desai was saying, JK, that he had no idea why that was happening. But it, it, it was clearly a problem, wasn't it? I think one of them mentioned that they they were perhaps a little bit overconfident with some of the teams they played, which is a, a great possibility if you're playing um, Charlton away or, or um, uh, Ipswich away. I think it was giving goals where they'd been 2-0 up against Ipswich, hadn't they? And then they gave mm. the two goals away in the last few minutes. It's, um, it's just losing concentration. I think he was talking about concentration as well, which is, uh, which is something you wonder whether the mentality has been affected by the fact that Certain players don't feel that they're being encouraged or given the best opportunity to play in their best positions. Mm. Although, although it does that also does tally with what Viali said at the beginning of the season. Weirdly, having not understood what he was talking about at all for the last two yeah. and a half hours, yeah. suddenly it becomes yeah. a bit more. You know, you can make some sense out of it. I think if there were two, you know, I mean, Viali notwithstanding, if think if I was to summarise the season in terms of its disappointment, obviously you know, not making any headway in the Cups, getting knocked out of all of the Cups we entered into really early was disappointing because we had established ourselves as a really effective Cup side because, we'd, you know, we were the holders of the FA Cup for a start. So we were winning Cup trophies, even though we got close but not close enough in the league. But I suppose that's also down to luck a bit, Chidge. It is, isn't it? Liverpool, drew Liverpool very early yeah, on. Yeah, Arsenal. And, 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 and Arsenal in the fifth round. So. Yeah. In other seasons, we might have gone further. Yeah, but St. Gallen, uh, St. Gallen in the UEFA Cup was just, you know. Yeah, that was just absolutely. That I mean, J JK, I, I do, I often wonder whether, you know, of course, we can't know unless we talk to some of the players, really, but I wonder if losing Robbie in that second leg did for them. You know, maybe they were mentally unhinged a bit because of what happened. 
Yes, it it it, it might have been a, a real shock for them, knowing that they'd seen that his his leg was broken in mm. a couple of places, and they'd they'd been present and they'd seen yeah. it. Yeah. They probably would have heard it to be yeah. honest. Yeah, that Maybe. may have affected because I think they were only one nil down. I mean, it, all they needed to do, even in the two one, wasn't it, was to score a goal, and they'd yeah. have gone through on away goals. Exactly that. It was just a, a yeah, one of those games that just runs away from you. So. Yeah. Anyway, as I was saying, I think that the, the other disappointing thing for me, really, Mark, was that, you know, what we were seeing really, you know, I didn't twig at the time, which is, seems completely odd, but we were seeing a transitionary phase being entered into and transitionary phases tend to mean no trophies or competing for things for a while. But we'd lost Viali, Di Matteo, Torre-Andre Flo, Petrescu had gone. Uh, and of course, against City, it was Poye, Wise and Leberf's last matches. Uh, so, you know, and the rumours of Zola wanting to leave, as we know. So effectively, what I'm saying is that great side of the 90s that won all of those trophies was being broken up and it was going and we were in transition. And and my feeling at the end of this season was, well, that's that then. We've had a good ride. You know, we've, we've, I've seen us win five trophies. I might as well give it all up. You know, seen it all. You know, that's it. I was, there was a real feeling that, that we'd, we'd kind of, you know, lost our best chance in a sense to go and crack on the, have a crack at the title and that period of winning things was about to come to an abrupt halt because, Mark, we had seen this so many times before, hadn't we? You know, Chelsea getting uh, close that, and then it all going tits up. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's a good point. Um, it, when, when you sort of look back at it, and I don't think we realise at the time because you're caught in it as a supporter, but looking back at it, yes, you're absolutely right. All these players you know, were going and or about to go. And I think the only thing that probably why we didn't notice is we were still spending money. We were still competitive in the transfer market. We spent 25 million plus this season. If you had Gronke, I spent over 30 million, which is big for Chelsea back then. You wouldn't get an average midfield player you'd loan out to Reading now for that sort of money. Um, but um, we spent more the following season. And we'll talk about it on the next show because he said we bought Lampard, we bought Petit. So we brought other players in. So I don't think we realised at the time, but you know, this was beginning of... Yeah, the end of an era, and then we had to wait a couple more years to sort of see a new era come in. The other thing I was going to say, because I've made reference to it a few times tonight, about why this might have happened um, and why we didn't succeed. Again, this is Hasselbank's words. Um, I don't know why it took us so long, you know, what went wrong. Perhaps it was to do with the newly implemented rotation system by Ranieri. The manager used substitutes very often and far too often, in my opinion. He wanted to play, place his own mark on the squad. He wanted to play 3-4-3, so he preferred players who suited that system. However, he usually found himself playing 3-6-1. <laughs> he often switched back and forth between the two systems, far too often in my opinion. The latter system, 3-6-1, took a lot of energy out of the players, which was perhaps the reason for the overemphasis on our physical condition. We often, as players, told him about our concerns, but he viewed our complaints as votes of no confidence. He should have been a little better at accepting criticism and willing to listen to the players more. He was unwilling to tolerate any interference from players about his style of playing football. He felt somehow attacked by us and was unable to accept that criticism from the players uh, that might have been seen constructive and positive. He viewed any kind of criticism as an undermining of his authority. Mm. So that's probably why Wise, Leboeuf and Poirier were gone during the summer. Yeah, because they would have been vocal about uh, committing to that. I can see that. 
I mean, disastrous. look, it, it was a disaster for the club. Well, I think we can say that in hindsight, kind of. Um, but well, no, I'm yes, learning this from from uh, Jimmy's clearly excellent autobiography. Well, I mean, I, 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 I you know, now, I, I worked with Graham Lasso back in 2006, JK, and he was very interesting in what he said about Ranieri, and I can assure you that none of it was positive. In fact, yeah. actually worse than but that. In a sense, it's nice to see my observations of him as a yeah. manager um, um, being uh, confirmed. Totally right, mate. Totally right. I mean, look, you know, having said all of that, I mean, it was disappointing, but, you know, we had, we had you know, got European football again for the next season. Um, and, of course, we had actually, you know, won uh, a trophy with the Charity Shield. But I think the other thing that was positive out of this, although, again, we probably wouldn't have known it at the time, is that... You know, the emergence of JT, John Terry, who made 26 appearances and won the Player of the Year. Um, and, you know, was well, hey, you know, for crying... I mean, he was like the first... The, the, not the first, but the last uh, Academy product to actually make it, wasn't he, for years and years and years. But he was breaking through. We were seeing him emerge as, as, a, as a really good young player, which was which was good to see. I mean, I've, I've, I mean I'll, get, I'll let you all comment on, on JT in a second, but just to sum it all up, I mean, the high points for me were... Charity Shield, Stanich's goal against West Ham, uh, the uh, United away draw, which I thought was wonderful. West Ham away, our first way win for a year, and always nice beating them. Jimmy Floyd, Hasselbank and Ida, JT, Dalabonner and Gronkiar were all very impressive as far as I was concerned. And the low points were uh, Viardi sacking that Silvino goal, which I still have nightmares about. Uh, Di Matteo breaking his leg. November, I mean, God almighty, November, November, we're shit in November. Tori Andre Foe leaving up was really upsetting and getting booted out of the FA Cup by Arsenal and losing to Sunderland at home, which was I just thought was terrible. But uh, yeah, JK, JT? Um, well, brilliant to see him come through and also coached wonderfully by Desai, who he mentions, and they had a terrific partnership towards the end of the season. Um, though I don't want people to say, um, oh, Rian- Ranieri, great manager, he brought JT through. No, JT. Was no, he didn't. He was already and through, he, and he was. Yeah. yeah, he was coming through. Yeah, but that's what that's what um, people say is what well, know, the a, benefits it's, it's, of Ranieri. He, you know, he bought Frank. He bought Frank Lampard. Good on him. A great manager. No, no, it was a purchase. Made it's more nuanced than that. It always is. I mean, J- JT had been around for a while. He'd been played by Viali. Yep, I mean, yep. yeah, it's true to he, say he, he emerged. Told him. I remember seeing yeah. him in the back. back uh, but he emerged. Right back. He think, emerged yeah. under Ranieri. That is, you yeah. know, he, he, pro- he was properly broke well through. enough for him to be included. Well, I'll tell you what, if you want to make a comparison, that's like saying um, Hudson Adoy, you know, only broke through because of Sarri. Yes, yes. But that's what some people clutch onto, isn't it? When yeah. talking about Ranieri, they look at that as a positive. Yeah. As opposed to looking at the. Uh, the whole idiocy of the way that he ran the ran the football yeah, team. indeed which is what the players bear out mark i'm yeah. going to leave the last word to you on the on the season just for you to sum up your own thoughts on it no i i thought you gave a really good summary of like the high points of the season and i think jt was certainly the high point and i think viali was the low point um and in between there were some good home games actually um we were very good at home and as we talked about tonight we were very poor away until we won at west ham Winning at Spurs is always good. Um, but I think far too many silly results, losing the double to the likes of Charlton, losing to Leicester twice, losing to Sunderland twice were low points as well. And Arsenal was a low point many times during the season and will be many times in future years to come. But as I said, 
what promised so much with the 25 million expenditure with a brilliant transfer window with the three players we bought and Panucci coming in, the fantastic start against the Ch- Charity Shield. As good as getting into Europe is the end point at the end of the season, it was still disappointing and it should have been a whole lot better. Yeah, And yet the following season, I was still optimistic. Because you always are, mate. That's why you love football. That's That's what it does to you, mate. I love supporting the team. I know, exactly that. Well, there you go. Um, I've had more fun in the last three hours than I've had uh, all day, uh, all week, in fact. So uh, I'm going to have a massive thank you to Mark Meehan. Thank you. And I'll I'll leave you with a little story because obviously, um, like, Carlo Cuccini was the other um, find of the season and he came in at January at the expense of Ed De Hoy. But there's an absolutely brilliant Ed De Hoy story from, from this season. Because obviously, Ed always remained true to himself. He might have looked like a porn star, but he was never quite that bothered about his appearance when all the players used to dress like prima donnas. Um, So he wasn't bothered about his looks. He didn't consider it important. So he used to wear, what the players used to say, the exact same tracksuit each and every day. And the players were of the viewpoint, either he only had the one tracksuit and he was a bit of a tramp, or he had a lot of the same design tracksuit because <laughs> every single day he had the same tracksuit on and none of them were ever dirty. So the players in the team were getting sick and tired of seeing him with this same tracksuit every day. So what they decided to do one day at training is they cut his tracksuit up to shreds. So he went home in his Chelsea training kit that day and he went home in a very, very bad mood. However, what did he come back the following day wearing? Chelsea tracksuit. The same tracksuit they cut up the day before. The, the players were right. He, he had a supply of the same tracksuit. Oh. He just, he just, he may have wore the same tracksuit every day, but he had more than one, one of them. Yeah. Right. So they didn't bother cutting up his tracksuit ever again. Brilliant, brilliant story. Well done, Mark. Uh, J.K. Uh, as always, a delight to spend three hours in your company of a Monday evening. Uh, it's been well, one, one, one bows down to. Uh... The brilliant um, analysis and stories by the the young me in there, but at the same time, it's been very lovely to have been part of this, to have uh, jogged my memory and uh, made me feel the same irritation for both Viali and Ranieri that I had uh, all those years ago, which uh, I enjoy in a kind of uh, uh, strange, uh, flagellating, self-flagellating feeling. (laughs) Well, indeed. Well, uh, we'll be back at uh, some stage in the future to look back at the 2001-2002 season, the season where I turned up again, having been away for about 10 years or so. So, uh, yeah, that'll be fun because I might remember some of those games. You never know your luck. Um, As I said, it's been absolutely fun doing this with Mark and JK. As always, I hope you lot out there have enjoyed listening to it as well. And we will see you all very soon. Up the chills. Up the chills. Yeah. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.